Well, today we continue our study from the book of James. There is one more message after this one. But as we have been looking through this letter, I have repeatedly said to you the purpose of the letter is that we might grow up in the faith, that we might mature in our walk with God. And so James says to us that we need to be mature to deal with the trials and tribulations of life. And just because one is a Christian does not mean that one is exempt from the difficulties of life. He said we need to be mature to deal correctly with money. He said we need maturity to deal with suffering. And today we look at a, we have a mature look at divine healing. So take your Bibles, turn with me please to James chapter 5. We'll begin in verse number 13, picking up where we left off last week. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, we begin this morning as we look at these verses by considering the physician's diagnosis. We, we go to our doctors that our physical condition might be diagnosed. I had my annual physical not long ago, and after the test had been run and so forth, the doctor came in to meet with me, and as we sat there in the little room, I said to him, Now, now Doc, shoot straight with me. Tell me the truth. What is my condition? Be candid. Don't hold anything back. Tell me, what is my condition? And he said, well, he said, you're overweight, you're lazy, and you don't exercise. And I said, all right. Now, can you give me the medical terms for that so I can tell Linda? But my doctor's a great doctor. In fact, if you go to him and, uh, and the x-ray that is taken shows that you need surgery and you don't have the money for surgery, he will touch up the x-ray so you don't have to. And, of course, I'm just teasing. My doctor is a great doctor, and we have so many of them in the church, and I have great respect for them. And if anything happens to me today, David, you just run right up here and take care of me. I have great, great confidence in the doctors in our church. Well, in the passage of Scripture that we are looking at, James is giving a spiritual diagnosis. He is telling us what our spiritual condition is. And he says that we have been infected by sin. That is the problem that we all are dealing with. We have been infected with sin. Now, if that is the diagnosis, what then is sin? How do we define it? Well, the Davis Dictionary of the Bible defines it this way. Any want of conformity unto or transgression of any law of God given as a rule to the reasonable creature. Now, that is the definition that is given there. Paul gives a little more dramatic statement when he says, And you were dead 
in your trespasses and sins. Paul says that that is the spiritual condition of one without Jesus Christ. He said that that person is dead in their trespasses and sins. Now, the word trespasses that he uses there means literally to miss your step. It is a picture of someone who is walking down the steps and they unintentionally slip and fall. I debated whether or not to say this, and I thought, yeah, hey, why not? I don't have any dignity left anyway. But a couple of weeks ago, I was walking down the steps from the second floor to the first floor over in Lindsay. Had a cup of coffee in my hand. And I'm looking around as I am going down the steps because the remodeling is taking place. And so I'm looking at the painting and I'm looking at all that they are doing. As I was walking down those steps, I missed a step and fell all the way to the bottom. Well, the first thing you do when that happens is look around to see if anyone saw you. (laughs) And so I looked around and fortunately it was there in the stairwell and no one was there. And then secondly, I thought my coffee, and I still had a third of it left, and the rest of it was all over me. But, but that's what that word means, trespasses. It means to miss the step. It is unintentional. And sometimes our sins are not intentional, but they nevertheless are sin. So he mentions trespasses, and then he says sins. The word sins that is used there is a Greek word, hamartia. It is a hunting word, and it means to miss the mark. It, it is a hunter who is shooting at something but misses the mark. And that's what sin is. It means that we do not hit the mark of perfection. We miss the mark. Therefore, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We simply do not measure up. There is none righteous, no, not one. So that is the diagnosis that James gives us of our spiritual condition. He says that we are infected by sin. And our condition ultimately leads to death, and it always has. You recall when God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden... And as he placed them there, he gave them this warning in Genesis 2.17. From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat from it you shall surely die. So God said to them, now don't eat of this tree. Everything else is yours. You can enjoy everything else. I have given it to you for your pleasure, for your enjoyment, for your nutrition. I've given you everything else. But this one tree, don't touch it. It is dangerous. Don't eat from it. Because if you do, you're going to die. Well, you know the story as to how they disobeyed the Lord. They did not heed the warning. And so the Scripture says in Genesis 5, 5, So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years And he died. That was the warning that God had given. Now, the Scripture says that when Adam sinned, that sin then infected the rest of mankind. So Paul wrote in Romans 5.12, just as through one man, he's speaking of Adam there, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. All right, so the Bible says then that Adam sinned and it has infected us. Now, there are two categories of sin. There is original sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, that's when sin came into the world. 
So that is original sin. And the Bible says that we all have been infected with original sin. So there's original sin, and then there is personal sin. In other words, my condition, I have been infected by sin, and because I am a sinner, I sin. Why do I lie? Because I'm a sinner. Why do I steal? Because I'm a sinner. Why do I gossip? Because I'm a sinner. So there is original sin, that of Adam and Eve, that infected us. And then there is personal sin, that is the action as a result of my condition. Now, what is the consequence of sin? Well, the Bible says, first of all, sickness and death. The rabbi said there is no death without guilt and no suffering without sin. And in 1 John 5:16, John wrote, there is a sin leading to death. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that, serious, that sin is a serious matter and it can lead to death. Let me give you a couple of examples in the Scripture. One is in the New Testament church when the people were selling what they had and they were bringing all that they had to the disciples to minister to the rest of the people. And Ananias and Sapphira sold what they had, and they brought a portion of it, pretending that it was all of it. And they gave it to the disciples as if it were all of it. Now, when it was theirs, they could have done whatever they wanted to, but then they pretended that they were giving all to the disciples. And the Bible says that because they lied to the Holy Spirit, they both died. That was the result of their sin. Now, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth concerning the Lord's Supper, and he said because their attitude was not correct that some of them died. And so in 1 Corinthians 11.30, he said, For this reason many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. And the word sleep is a euphemism for dying or for death. And he says, because there are some who are participating in the Lord's Supper with a wrong attitude, he says there are some who have died. Now, this is important, I think. All sickness is the result of original sin, but not all sickness is the result of personal sin. Now, I say that because sometimes there are people who believe that if someone is sick or if someone is suffering or if someone has some difficulty, the reason that they are is because of some sin in their life. Now, you will recall that's what the friends of Job said to him. Job, the reason you are suffering this way, the reason things have turned out this way is because of sin in your life. And if you were right with God, then these things would not be happening. That was not so, as you know. It was a test that he was going through. You see, sometimes sickness and death comes as a result of old age. We're simply getting old, and we don't live forever in this body. I read in the paper this week that the average lifespan for a man in America is, what, 81 years old, I think. No, that's for a woman, 81 years old. Man, 76. I don't know what happened there. Man lives average of 76. Woman lives average of 81. But nevertheless, we all die. Barzillai was a friend of David. He was old. Second Samuel chapter 19, verses 35 and 37 says this, I am now 80 years old. Please let your servant return that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and my mother. Now then, in this case, here is a man who says, I am getting older. And I know that my life is coming to an end simply because I am getting older. 
And he said, so I want to return home by my family so that I can die around my family. Folks, the fact is sometimes our bodies deteriorate and we die because we get old. They wear out. We die because of sickness. Paul wrote in Philippians 2.27, For indeed he, speaking of Epaphroditus, was sick to the point of death. He says that, that this man was so sick that he almost died. Sometimes we die because of an illness, because of disease, because of sickness. Sometimes we face death as a test, which was Job's situation. The Bible says that Job was perfect and upright, so when he faced death, the Bible teaches us that he was doing so because that was a test that he was going through. Now, we all have been infected by this disease. We know what the consequences are, and it is not always God's will to heal or to deliver. Now, we know that God has healed many people. You've read the wonderful stories in the Scripture about uh, the Lord healing Bartimaeus, who was blind. We know the story of the woman who came and, and, and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she had an issue of blood, and she was made well. We know about those stories, and some of you can tell stories just as I can, of people who have prayed and the Lord miraculously healed them of some disease, some malady. We know that. But we also know that there have been others who have prayed and they have not been healed. That is determined by God's sovereign will. I don't know why God heals some and does not heal others, but I know that's the way that it works. He is sovereign and so he chooses. For instance, Trophimus was not healed apparently. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.20, Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. So Paul says Trophimus is sick. Well, why didn't, why, did, why didn't Paul heal him or why didn't God heal him? I don't know. But he said, I left him at Miletus still sick. So apparently he was not healed. Timothy was weakly and, and sick and it's believed generally that Timothy had stomach problems and that's when the Apostle Paul said to him, Timothy, take a little wine for your, your stomach's sake. And I know that's a remedy that some of you use because of your physical condition as well. But Timothy apparently was always sickly. And then Paul had the thorn in the flesh, and he asked the Lord three times to remove the thorn in the flesh. But there is no indication that that ever happened. And I say that, that as we look at the diagnosis that we are given in Scripture and by James, we have been infected by sin and we suffer its consequences. Now... James gives us instruction as to how we are to respond to our condition. Now look at verse number 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. The word suffering literally means in distress, afflicted, anxiety, and generally it refers to any affliction. So it's a broad term. It is a general term. And, and it speaks of any affliction. So what does that person do, the person who is suffering? He said, Barnes says, it matters not what is the form of trial. It is a privilege which we all have to go to God in prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are suffering some affliction today, the invitation from Almighty God is that you pray. That's his invitation to you. That you can come before the throne of God to make your petition there. That is the invitation that is extended to you. Anyone suffering? Let him pray. 
He continues there in verse number 13. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Barnes says the word cheerful properly denotes cheerful, pleasant, agreeable, and is applied to a state of mind free from trouble, the opposite of affliction, happy. Anyone cheerful? You know, there are some people, it seems, they always have everything going their way, doesn't it? I mean, they have a smile on their face, and it just seems that things turn out for them. Well, what's your response to be? What do you, you feel guilty about it? You know, sometimes we're made to feel that way. If things are going well for you, there are some who would want you to feel guilty about it. Well, things ought not be going good for you. You must not be serving the Lord. You must not be walking in the Spirit of things. Wouldn't be going good for you. What are you to do? He said, sing praises. If things are going good for you, anyone cheerful, let him sing praises. Barclay said the early church was a singing church. The early Christians were ready to burst into song. Dear friend, let me say to you, if things are going good for you, praise God. Burst into song. Praise Him for His goodness. Praise Him for His majesty. But if anyone is cheerful, he said, let him sing praises. And then he goes on there in verse number 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Anyone sick? He says, well, then you are to take the initiative to tell someone. Call for the elders. Let someone know. I'm always amused, Jerry, when someone is sick and... They go into the hospital and, and don't tell anyone, then they get mad because no one came to see them. They were not mind readers. I mean, we have a lot of spiritual ability, but that's not one of them. He says, take the initiative, call for the elders. Barclay said, when a Jew was ill, it was to the rabbi he went, and the rabbi anointed him with oil, which Galen, the Greek doctor, called the best of all medicines, and prayed over him. So... If you are sick, he said, take the initiative. And then what are the elders to do? In verse number 14, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It is the responsibility, if you are sick, it is your responsibility to call for the elders of the church. It is their responsibility to pray, the Bible says, for you. I'm so proud of our deacons. But whenever they, you know, they came to the place and they said, you know, we have people in our church who are really sick. They're really hurting. And they began that prayer ministry, and so before our monthly deacons meeting, an hour prior to the meeting, there's a group of them that gather together, and a person who is sick, has a real need, can come, and they, they surround that person and pray for them. That's what James is talking about here. Call for the elders and let them pray for him, anointing him with oil. And there are two Greek words for anointing. One is chiro, it's a ceremonial word. When David was anointed by Samuel to be the king, that is the equivalent word that was used there, that he anointed him. It was a ceremonial word. There's another word, a lipho, and that is the word that is used here. It means to apply, to rub in, to smear, to cover, and it refers more to a medical benefit, a healing. So he says, let them anoint with oil. I've read all the, what, what it means and so forth, anointing with oil and some symbolism and all. I don't know. I don't know why we anoint with oil. I don't know why God said do that. James said do that here. I don't know. 
He said it. That's what the Bible says. That's good enough for me. He says to anoint with oil. And then he said and pray. The elders are to anoint with oil and pray. When Dr. Milne spoke not long ago and he had learned his condition, said that he had received a call from Bill Hoyt who said, I'm pounding the throne for you. I'm pounding the throne of God for you. Folks, that's, that's what we are to do for each other. Pound the throne of God. God, I'm praying for this person. Lord, this person's going through a tough time. Lord, this brother is sick. This sister has cancer. Lord, I'm pounding the throne for this person. The Bible says that we are to pray, and it says to pray in the name of the Lord. Now, when it says in the name of the Lord, that that does not mean we simply tack that on to the end of our prayer. I pray in Jesus' name. It's not what it means. It means to pray in His authority. That I'm coming in the authority of Christ and, Lord, I'm asking for healing, not because this person deserves it, not because I deserve it, but, Lord, because you deserve it. It's not because of who I am. It's not because of who they are. But it's because of who you are. It means that I'm coming in the authority of Jesus Christ. So I yield to his authority. And if I yield to his authority, then I yield to his will. And John wrote in 1 John five fourteen, And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the sick person then is to call for the elders. The elders are to pray. And what happens in verse number 15? And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. The elders pray and the Lord determines the results. The Bible says that he is restored. The Lord raises him up because only God can heal and his sins are forgiven. The word if that is used there raises a question concerning this person. Was his physical condition the result of a spiritual condition? And within the context, it was. And so he had a spiritual problem that brought about the physical problem. So what is the patient's instruction? He says, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praises. And if you're sick, call the elders. Then there's the prescription given in verse number 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. He says, first of all, confess your sins to one another. Now, that does not mean that you go around telling everybody your sin. There's a lot of that today. And and unless you're wanting to be on the Jerry Springer show, then I don't think that that is correct. I believe that the circle of confession should only be as broad as the circle of sin. That you confess to the person against whom you have sinned. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. We are to pray for people's healing. Now, what are the conditions for one to be healed? And I believe there are some. First of all, I think there must be a desire to be healed. When Jesus encountered Bartimaeus, Jesus asked the question, What do you want me to do for you? What is your desire? Now, his friends could not squelch his desire to see. In fact, when Jesus came by and Bartimaeus began crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, those around him began to say, be quiet, sit down, hush. But the Bible says that he cried out all the more. Why? Because that was his desire. Folks, let me ask you a question. Do you have a real desire? A genuine desire? I believe there must be a desire. First of all, what do you want me to do for you? Secondly, there must be faith. The four friends who brought their friend to Jesus to be healed, Jesus asked him, do you believe that I am able to do this? 
Do you believe that Jesus is able? Do you believe that he has that kind of power? Do you believe that he is that kind of God? So I believe the condition is that we have a desire, Lord, I really want you to restore me. I believe that there is faith. Do you believe I'm able? And if the Lord heals us, then I believe that we walk in obedience. Jesus said to the man healed at Bethesda, Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse may befall you. Mature look at divine healing. I believe that divine healing should draw us closer to God. Not into extremes. Understanding that God is sovereign. That He has all power. That He is sovereign. And it should draw us closer to Him. And if He heals us, then I believe it means that we should follow Him more closely. In Matthew 20, verse 34, Jesus touched their steps and immediately they regained their sight and followed Him. Followed Him. The Lord has all power. He has power to save. He has power to heal. And when He touches our life, the result should be that we follow Him. Now, Friday, when I was praying over this message... It seemed to me that the Lord began to impress on my heart that the invitation was to be different today. Now, here's what we're going to do. During this time of invitation, the staff is going to be standing here for those people who want to trust Christ, come to Him. For those people who are joining the church, you come to a staff member, just like always. But it seemed to me the Lord impressed on my heart that if you're suffering, if you have some affliction... Then you come to the altar and pray. Take it to the Lord. If you're cheerful, things going great for you. Then you sing along with the choir. Sing praises to Him. And if you're sick, seriously sick, then I'm going to ask some of our elders, some of our men, some of our leaders to stand down here. I'm going to ask Bob Devonport, Jerry Wilson, Jack McCatherine, uh, Dr. Stain, if he is here, uh, Dr. Ford, some of you guys, I'm going to ask that you just stand right down here. If you really are sick, then I'm going to ask that you come to them and let them pray for you. I have no idea what God is going to do, but I sensed in my spirit that's what God told me. So that's what we're going to do. Let's stand together as I pray, and then we'll extend the invitation. Our gracious Father, we come to this invitation expectantly because you are God. Lord, I know that there are people today who are lost without Christ, and I pray that they might be saved. I pray, Father, for those who should join our church, that they would lead the way. I pray, Father, for those who are afflicted, that they will come and bring that to you before your throne. And I pray, Father, for those who are cheerful. I lift them up and I ask, Lord, that they just praise you. For those who are seriously ill, we're doing what you say in your word. And we're asking these men to surround them and to pray for them just as your word says. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we are standing, I'm going to ask these guys to stand over here, the staff to stand over here. I'm going to meet you as you come. If you're coming to join the church, I'm going to meet you. If you're coming to trust Christ, I want to meet you. So you come, but if you are suffering affliction, you just come and kneel and pray. Tell the Lord and then go back to your seat. Cheerful, you just sing. Sing right along with the choir. 
some serious illness, then you come to these guys. Let them pray for you. As we sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.